Are you ready to turn your investments into retirement income? Listen in as Jeremy Kyle and his guests reveal ways you can make smarter retirement, investment, and tax planning decisions to achieve your ideal retirement. You will learn more about your money so you can feel better about your money and make better money decisions. Now, on to the show. Welcome to Retirement Revealed. I'm your host, Jeremy Kyle, and I'm joined by my producer, Eric Johnson. Eric, how are you doing today? I'm doing fantastic, Jeremy. I'm excited. We've got uh, a special guest on the show. You brought Eric Kroll on, so it's another Eric. It's yes. Eric with a K. I'm Eric with an A. We're not going to mm -hmm. get confused there. So, <laughs> Yep, we should be, should be good to go. Yeah. yeah. So why'd you bring Eric on the show? Well, we were connected just about uh, a year ago by an advisor on San Diego, of all things. Mm. And then Eric and I start talking and realize we had an even longer term connection than just that. So we'll we'll talk about that. But we'll go with, with Eric here. Why don't you come along and uh, tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah. Hi there. Hi, Jeremy. So I work in my own financial planning firm, uh, Hilltop Financial Advisors, and I started my own uh, business line, student loans over 50, and we will talk more about that. But I got into financial planning in college, essentially. I found myself spending a bit of time researching stocks and the stock market and got really interested in that. And so I decided that's the career path I wanted to go. And like you said, we we have a connection that goes quite a quite a ways back. I, I remember you being my finance teacher in college. And that was, I think it had to have been around the 08, 09 recession, right around there. Yeah. And yep. I it, it was a while ago, so I don't have the best of memories, but I do remember one of the lessons you taught on the efficient market hypothesis and, and all of that. And, and so some of, at least some of what you said has stuck with me. Love it. Oh, that's so funny because we were, we got on the call in middle of 2020, I think. And you said, Hey, you might not remember me. And I said, that explains it this whole time. I'm thinking, why do I know this name? Why did I know this name? And prepping for this time, this call right now, I was looking it up. It was the spring of 2010. It was intro to investments and it was my first teaching time ever. I've done a few different classes through Concordia there and you were one of the top students in the class. So that, that, this is a great thing. You're destined to become a financial planner, I believe. I, I think so. I think it, it certainly feels like a calling for me. Yeah, for sure. Well, you're sharing with me that you spent about five years at an investment focused firm. And you wanted to focus more on the financial planning part. And for the people that are listening, can you just maybe describe what you feel is a difference between a financial advisor that might be strictly investment focused versus one that might be more on the financial planning side of things? Sure. So essentially, I found myself having conversations with clients and in the investment focused firm. And the conversation was if we'd have a 60 minute meeting, 45 minutes would be spent on the specific investments. And we didn't delve in too deeply on other financial planning topics like how is cash flow going for you or Medicare planning, or there was some tax, we would have some tax planning conversations 
so there was some planning in there for sure but most of the conversation really centered around investments and trying to find the right manage investment managers for our clients and and most of the work involved really focused around the investments contrast that to what i'm doing now as a more financial planning centric advisor frankly i spend relatively little time talking about investments specifically because there's just so much other financial planning topics to talk about uh, cash flow do you have the right amount of insurance are we saving enough are we how is our expenses in line with our savings in line with our with our income so many different topics to cover not just investments investments are a very important part of the picture but they're not the only part of the picture and so that's that's kind of the i would say the difference there yeah for sure we find that a lot of clients walking in our door and i'm sure you get the same thing too sometimes they just don't understand that there's anything beyond picking stocks and bonds and we believe that investing is important too uh, we talk about our five-step retirement income process, but investing step four, there's at least three other things that you ought to be looking at first before you even get to the investments. And a lot of the reason, at least on my belief, and I think you might be in the same boat, is you can control a lot of these things that are financial planning topics like your cash flow and your savings and tax planning and Medicare and Social Security, all those type of ideas you're talking about there. You can't control the stock market. So we figure control the things you can control and when it comes to things you can't control, well, you know, you get to those, but you also uh, understand the level of uh, ability you have to control those. And maybe your focus ought to be more on the risk management of your investments, as opposed to thinking that somehow you can magically beat the market. I, I, I got a feeling we're, we're kind of in the same boat there. Yeah. I think we see very much eye to eye on that, Jeremy. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Well, what happened for you is that you decided you wanted to get more into the financial planning and you started your own business. Do you mind just sharing with me? What was that like to just go out on your own, start your own business, you know, hang your shingle, so to say, what, what was that like? In a word, scary, but so exciting and incredibly rewarding. I think there's a lot of thought out there that, you know, you get to, uh, choose your own hours and and do all that and maybe to an extent but when you're running your own firm that you know, the firm is is like your baby and so you know sometimes you got to put in that extra hour at mm -hmm. night or early wake up a little early but it's incredibly rewarding because I do get to have the flexibility to choose what service I want to bring to my client I, I'm not told that I have to sell a certain product or I have to advise a, a, in a certain way or focus on a, a certain one certain aspect, I can, I can really bring a full scope picture to helping my clients with their, their overall finances and, and really help them in the way that I believe that they should be helped. Yeah, for sure. And that's one reason why we got connected is because you have been successful since you started your own firm. And what's been so great about it is that we look at, I'm looking at your website. It says you help out professionals and entrepreneurs in their twenties, thirties, and forties. And for us, we kind of pick up when people hit 50 or so where they're 
looking at this, this big deadline ahead of them called retirements and making some specific decisions around there. So that's how we got uh, connected just a, about a year ago is that, well, if we're focusing so heavily on the decisions that these people that are about five or 10 years away from retirement are facing, there's other people, their kids even, that maybe need some help. I need to find someone I could trust that could focus on, on those people. So that's just such a great thing that there's more than one type of advisor out there. There's advisors that focus on specific areas. Yours is more like the, the younger professional. And at the same time, it turns out you started getting some questions uh, from people a little bit older, or maybe even the, the parents of the people that were in their, their 20s. And that's what we really want to talk about today. Student loans over 50. Who knew people had student loans over 50? How, how did this all get started <laughs> that you were getting into this, this uh, type of focus? Yeah, it it does sound kind of odd, doesn't it? I it, I didn't really expect that I would be going down this path myself either. Uh, if you told me that I would start working with people over 50 that have large student loan balances a few years ago, I would have told you you're crazy. Those people don't <laughs> exist. Right. Well, I, I am here to tell you that they very much do exist. It is a very real problem that is out there. If you look at the student loan environment today, the makeup of borrowers based on age, it still represents a, a small portion of the borrowers out there. But the borrowers that are older than 50 years old, this is the fastest growing demographic of of borrowers right now. Mm. And there, there are really a lot of people that are over 50. They have really large balances. So 60,000, 80,000, 100,000 oh and above student loan balances. And the problem with that is that when you're 50, you, you really probably ought to be focusing on saving for retirement, not paying down student loans. Someone who is in their 20s or 30s that has those types of balances, well, they have a lot of time to get rid of that balance and save for retirement. When, mm -hmm. As you get older, that, that shrinks, that, that gap shrinks for you. And so the planning becomes very critical. Yeah, the clock's ticking. And that was going on for one of your clients. You shared just a little bit of a story with me earlier. Do you mind sharing that with, with the rest of us? Is How did you, what was the first kind of inkling that, oh my goodness, there's a, a big need here and there's so many ways that you're able to find to help out, help out these clients? Yeah, so this came together really nicely in how we were able to help them. But the first, the first instance and in really what got it, me started down this path is had a client come to me, client couple. They were in their mid fifties. They put their kids through college. Uh, they have two kids, and a lot of that, a lot of the times where older borrowers have higher debts is from putting their kids through college. Sure. So that's yeah. that's one of the ways. And so this couple came to me. They thought they were getting someone to manage their investments. And I looked at their whole picture and I said, oh, okay, you're making $90,000, $100,000 a year, but you have $90,000 in student debt. This is, this is an issue. Yeah, uh, that's a big they, problem. Yeah. And so they, they had 
they were staring at a 10-year time horizon to pay down these mm-hmm. loans, and their payment was going to be somewhere in the thousand to eleven hundred dollar a month range. And the further and further I started looking at this, we started restructuring how their loans were were set up. So the the lucky thing for them is they're all federal loans and mm-hmm. that gives you a lot of flexibility more so than like a private loan, for instance. And so we we restructured their loans a bit to consolidate, to get a favorable repayment plan for them. And we found out that, oh, the wife, so the loans are in the wife's name. The wife qualifies for public service loan forgiveness, which okay. if you want me to go in deeper on, I can, I can do that. But she qualifies for public service loan forgiveness. So she could pay a minimum amount to her loans and have the loans forgiven after 10 years. And then, oh, by the way, we live in Wisconsin, which has some uh, quirky, but also very beneficial Mm -hmm. tax rules for the couple where we're able to file taxes in a way that we are able to get her payment down to $0 when- Oh my goodness. At the, so we were looking at, Originally, a thousand dollar monthly payment to eleven hundred dollar monthly payment, and now yeah. we're going to be around zero dollars a month in a, in payments for the next ten years. They might increase a little bit, but mm-hmm. I I don't expect them to go more than a hundred to two hundred dollars a month. And in ten years, they're going to be forgiven. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. And what's so great about that, and great about how you started your own business a few years ago, is you saw a problem you realize there's more than one person out there. And so now you've got a way to help out so many people. It's just uh, amazing that you're, you're, you're doing that and talking about people that are over uh, 50. We had sent over some clients of ours to you. They were in their, their 60s and had a, a child that needed some, some thoughts on the student loans and what to do with there. And you shared with me that this PSLF, the uh, Public Service Loan Forgiveness, that was a strategy that worked for them and worked for this first couple you're talking about. So it, it seems like that's a big strategy. Can you, can you share with that a little bit? Uh, uh, what's that, what's that all about? Yeah, absolutely. So it's, it is one of the, it's a really great strategy if, if you can qualify for it. And a lot of people still don't know how the, how this actually works and what public service loan forgiveness is, is that if you you have to you have to qualify via you have to jump through different hoops essentially mm-hmm. qualify via different criteria if you qualify i'll go back to that criteria but if you qualify for this you pay your loans based on your income for 10 years worth does not have to be consecutive mm-hmm. it's 120 qualifying payments and then right. whatever the balance remaining is at the end of that period, the remaining balance is completely forgiven tax-free. You don't have to pay mm. taxes on it. So Amazing. It, this, this can represent a, a very large portion of, of savings and ability to redirect your money elsewhere. So how you qualify for public service loan forgiveness, PSLF, is you have to work for a qualifying employer. A qualifying employer is 
some government employer, whether that's the federal government or down to a local government. So like if you work for a school district, for instance, a qualifying employer can also be a nonprofit employer, a 501c3. Frankly, a lot of hospitals are nonprofits. So doctors fall into this or like public defenders, attorneys that, that mm-hmm. are working for a pub, public defender. Sure. So that would be part one, qualifying employer. You have to work full time, which is 30, 30 hours or what your employer says is full time, whichever is more strict. Hmm. You have to make qualifying payments, which is a payment based on your income. There are four different repayment plans under the federal system that are based on your income, or you pay the the 10-year standard plan payment. However, Mm -hmm. if you pay the 10-year standard plan payment, you're just going to be done with your loans in 10 years anyway. So that nullifies this. And then the, the other requirement is you have to have qualifying loans. And so now, mostly, newer borrowers specifically will automatically qualify under with this piece more so than, than older borrowers. So the, a qualifying loan has to be a direct loan from the mm-hmm. government. It cannot be what are known as FFEL loans, mm-hmm. uh, which were... They were discontinued somewhere between somewhere around 2000, 2011, 2012. And now the, the federal loans, they're, they're just all direct loans. So most likely if you went to school, started going to school after 2012, 2013, you're going to have these qualifying loans. Um, mm-hmm. But you may have seen in the news that so many people are not qualifying for forgiveness when they're applying. And part of it does have to do with a lot of these kind of older borrowers, so to speak, don't have the right qualifying loans. So you have to kind of figure out, you know, how do we get these loans sure. to be qualifying loans? Got it. So amazing. It just shows the power right there. Something we've said to a lot of people and most likely on this podcast too, that it's it just shows that the way you fill out a form and when you fill out a form could oftentimes make you or lose you tens of thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands of dollars uh, over your whole lifetime. And certainly in the student loan area, that's shown up there. What you've talked about, how you qualify, all these different steps to go through. I just can't imagine anyone figuring this out on their own. And the website for you, I just want people, if you, this is your situation or you know someone that's in your situation, I think you just need to reach out to Eric. That website, is that studentloansover50.com? Correct. Yeah, studentloansover50.com. Okay. Yeah. Easy to spell. I think it's five zero right at the end. Student loans over five zero.com. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Great. Yeah. Just go check it out. Eric's got a lot of information out there for you. I think it's something that you need to take a look at that. If you, if you qualify or if you have that, that situation, another thing, Eric, you and I were talking about is it's just amazing that a lot of people don't have a strategy to pay off their student loans. They kind of get the bill and they just uh, pay it off and, or pay the bill just that month. Don't pay off the loan, but just pay it for that month. People need to take care of these student loans and take care of them quickly. And you would share with me five steps people can take to pay off their student loans quickly. Let's just go through those. And if you could talk briefly about that, it's just going to be a huge, huge help to everyone. So step one was 
list out your, your student loans. What, what should people be kind of taking an inventory of when they're, when they're doing that? Yeah. So if you are listing out your student loans, some of the things that you want to list out are what is the type of loan that you have? Is it a direct Stafford loan? Is it a parent plus loan? Is it one of those FFEL loans? What type of loan? Because that's going to that's going to start to dictate which plans you qualify for. And also, when was this loan taken out? Was it in 2014? Was it in 2018? Was it back in 2008? Mm-hmm. That also can dictate what repayment plans that you'll qualify for. Of course, what is the balance of the loan? If you can break it out into principal and interest, that's great. Otherwise, balance is still a good starting point. Mm-hmm. What is the interest rate on the loan? Fortunately, at least for right now, if it's especially if it's a federal loan until September 30th, the interest rate is zero. But what will it be going to when the 0% interest and $0 payment forbearance ends? And if you're on a income-driven repayment plan already, what is that income-driven repayment plan? And when is the income recertification date? Those are some main pieces to mm-hmm. uh, list out when you're inventorying your loans. Great. Yeah. Thanks for that. Step two is pursue forgiveness. You already talked about one right there. And so we'll just encourage people to look into that PSLF type of forgiveness. There's other types of forgiveness programs out there, but I'd like you to talk a little bit more about step three, which is coordinate your tax strategy. What does your taxes have anything to do with student loans? So I don't know, fortunately or unfortunately, I would say unfortunately, because this can get so complicated, but everything is so intertwined here. If you have mm-hmm. student loans, I believe it. and if you're paying based on your income, if you're on an income driven repayment plan, your taxes have a big impact on, on your student loan payment. And so if you are going for forgiveness, you want to pay as little to your loans as absolutely possible, which mm-hmm. means how do you drive down your income? And in this case, if you're using your tax return, it's AGI, adjusted gross okay. income. Yep. So saving on a pre-tax basis for your retirement plans, 401k, 403b, etc. But also you can file taxes separately in many instances, and mm-hmm. you can remove your spouse's income from the equation and just use your income, which would okay. uh, typically lower your student loan payment. Yeah. So th- there's a lot of different, and I, we could spend a lot more time talking about I believe this. It. If you're in a community property state versus if you're not in a community property, there's a lot of different things that go into the tax equation here. Yeah, it's amazing. We, we believe that tax planning is one of the most important parts, uh, pieces of your financial planning, your financial picture to begin with, it, you're just even opening up the world of what that even means to me. And we, we thought we were pretty good at taxes, uh, tax planning piece of it. So this is just amazing. All the differences that, that are out there that apply to student loans uh, as well. Step four is coordinate your investments. What, what would you be looking at there? So if you're coordinating your investments, one of the things is you know, what bucket are you saving? If you are trying to lower your income, then you probably want to, you want to prioritize saving in 
pre-tax buckets, 401k, mm-hmm. 403b, IRA, etc., rather than something like a Roth IRA or Roth buckets in your retirement plan. Also, you want to, if you have a like an after-tax brokerage or after-tax investment account, uh, you want to be minimizing your tax burden on that account. So things like uh, low turnover investments, you're not buying and selling, uh, buying and selling, buying and selling, buying and selling. Right, right. Uh, you are maybe municipal bond investments make more sense for you in the in the bond portion of your portfolio mm-hmm. so you can lower your your income that way there's there's quite a few things you can do on the on the investment side to lower your tax burden and still have good appropriate returns as well right for sure oh it's great and the last step step 5 is create your pay down plan what, what would they be looking at there this is taking again take a overall integrated approach how does this all work together and if you know if you've done all the four steps before you know what your loans are maybe if you're going for forgiveness or not going for forgiveness and you're working on you know how your taxes are set up and your investments are set up you can create a really good focused plan to pay down your loans in the most effective way maybe that means forgiveness maybe that means just paying it down aggressively, refinance to a lower rate. There are a lot of different things, but if you have a very uh, strong plan and you know where you're going with your loans, that can save you. It, It can save you a lot of money. It can save you time working. Maybe you can retire sooner and it'll save you a lot of stress. Yeah. Oh, I can imagine. That's just great. Just to have a process to go through a plan to go through. We've got our five-step retirement income process. You've got your five-step process there for paying down the student loans. I think the number five is a good, a good number for processes, it, I guess. It works. It works. Yeah, for sure. So your website, again, is studentloansover50.com. What I love about it is when you look on there, look under services, it talks through that you can, you can work with Eric any way that you want. So you might just choose to have the strategy session and say, help me out with a strategy on there. The more holistic, comprehensive end, you could take a look at, at everything on the, the tax advice, the, the financial planning advice, the investment, all that together, which is, which is so great. And then in the middle, you've got both a strategy and then some ongoing help on there. I just think I'm a student of marketing. I just think that you have the three different levels that people can uh, choose to engage with you three different ways is so great because then people can get what they need and, but do it in the way that they want to do. So I just, I just love that part for the marketing because I'm just a student of marketing, but that middle one, that ongoing service, can you just share with us a little bit? So what's the difference between you give people a strategy or you give them a strategy and then take the next step? What, what would that next step be that you're helping people out with on that ongoing strategy? Right. So after the strategy, kind of the, the middle piece that you're talking about is helping them with their student loan forms and making sure that they're on the right track with their student loans on a ongoing basis. So, you know, getting a plan is, is definitely something you really need or should be doing, but after the plan is made, how do you implement on that plan? And so that's where I would come in. These student loans, loan forms are not the easiest to mm-hmm. navigate. And so if you, if you feel comfortable doing that, great. I'm happy to give you the strategy and, and 
you can work on that on your own as you feel comfortable. But if you don't feel comfortable working on the, on the student loan forms, then, you know, I can help you fill out the forms. I can, uh, a lot of times it's coordinating with the servicers. The servicers are not the easiest to work with. And so I'll, I'll call the servicers and get the information that's needed and just work with you to make sure that you are filling out the forms correctly. If we're going for forgiveness, then we're on track for forgiveness and we're, we're tracking that a year in and year out. Yeah, that's, that's so great. I wanted to highlight that part because we found that a plan is nice, but actually executing the plan is where the biggest value comes in. And that's so great that you're able to help people out with that. On our end of things, we felt over a hundred people file for social security, file for Medicare. It's no sweat for us to do that because we've done that all the time. But a lot of people for that area, you walk into the uh, Medicare or social security office once in your lifetime it can be daunting and there's so many forms that are placed in front of you or you're doing it online. It's so easy to maybe click the wrong button. We just had somebody a few months ago. We said, you're one of our clients. We'll do this for you as a part of the service. Let's, let's help you out. They said, no, we got it. Uh, We'll take care of it. Call them up a few weeks later. They said, yeah, we made a mistake. We clicked the wrong button. And that's just, uh, (laughs) it took a lot more time on on their end because they, they wanted to, push through it on their own. And and that's great. A lot of people do like that, that pride in figuring it out in their own, but this is just amazing. Whether it's student loans, social security, pensions, anything, Medicare, whatever it is, when you've got somebody that's done it dozens of times, hundreds of times, they know exactly where the pitfalls are, uh, where the the positives can be that you can create uh, out of it. Just so, so happy that you're able to create a strategy and then help people actually go through the daunting task of filling out these forms and, and making sure they don't, don't miss anything. Yeah, exactly. You you hate to it it is very disheartening when you build a plan for someone and then you see that they have they struggle with it and yeah. it it co- it can cost them in ways that mm-hmm. you you didn't want it to. So to be there to to help them and continue to save their them money and just make it a really smooth process. Yeah, is perfect. is very rewarding. Absolutely. Okay, Eric, was there anything, any other questions I should have asked you? Anything else you'd like to, uh, that we didn't cover? Well, how much time you got, Jeremy? We, we could you, right? be talking about this for, for half a day at least. This, I believe I, it. This is, this is good. I, I appreciate you having me on. Thank you. Yeah, definitely. Well, great summary from you, Eric. And that website is student loans over 50. That's five zero student loans over five zero dot com. And uh, Eric, I gave, I gave Eric Kroll an A back in the day. I, I looked it up here and he didn't mind me sharing that. I think we're going to give him an A plus for the podcast. What do you think, Eric? I, I agree hundred percent. Here's the thing is that I love the fact that Jeremy, you had a hand in planting seeds in, in Eric and hopefully, uh, and, yeah. Yeah. And, and I, I truly believe that. And I believe that helped him on his pathway. And now the student has become the teacher, right? Uh, Teaching yeah. Us you all got sorts that right. Stuff. So I, I'm so glad that you guys reconnected. Thank you so much. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. And thank you, Eric, for, for coming on. This is, this has been so great. And thanks to everyone else for listening to the retirement reveal podcast. We believe if you know more about your money, you will feel better about your money and you'll make better money decisions. Thank you for listening to the retirement revealed podcast. Click on the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. Visit retirement-revealed.com to learn more.
The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Kyle Financial Partners. Kyle Financial Partners does not provide legal, accounting, or tax advice. Consult your attorney or tax professional. Representatives have general knowledge of the Social Security tenants. For complete details on your situation, contact the Social Security Administration. Kyle Financial Partners is a part of the Thrivent Advisor Network, a registered investment advisor. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning.